This is Keeping Track, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. Hey everyone, welcome back to season three of Keeping Track. Um, we have a great episode today. We talk to 400 meter and 400 hurdle track stars for Team USA, the 400 meter diva Natasha Hastings, and the 2017 world champion Corey Carter, aka the ladies of Track Girls Summer. It's the YouTube sensation for track fans you all need in your lives if you haven't watched them already. We talked to the women about their challenging last year in the sport and life, how they found each other hosting a live track talk show, and the response it's gotten, as well as as what's next and what else these powerhouses have going on. These ladies bring the culture to track and field talk shows and bring some real talk to this podcast as they both open up about what's helped them get through this past year. So take a listen and then follow them both this next upcoming season. We also have some notes on the podcast as we get into the catch-up. We mention how Mary Naguji, third-place finisher in the recent Boston Marathon, is speaking out against violence against Kenyan women in response to the shocking, horrible murder of one of the best 10K runners in the world, Agnes Tirop. Um, She has recently started the Women's Athletic Alliance, and we will share more information about that, see what they need, how you can help them. But for now, you can follow Mary Naguji on Instagram, just at Mary, N-G-U-G-I. And she's also working with British 400 runner Jody Williams, as women from all around the sports world are asking how they can help and being allies in this. We will let you listen to Track Girl Summer, and we'll do a quick little catch-up of all the fall marathon action first with Roisin. Thanks for keeping track. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Welcome back. We're back with a new season of Keeping Track. Yeah. Myself and Roisin are doing a little catch-up because a lot has happened this fall. Um, get into the marathons, Molly, because I know there's a lot of marathons happening in the last 15 days or even. Tell us about you and your life. And you're not running, you didn't run Boston. What what are you doing? Yes. Um, so most people probably have heard, if you listen to the podcast, you already know that I was supposed to run the Boston Marathon, but I am not because instead I'm pregnant. So I am going to have a baby by the time the spring Boston Marathon rolls around, um, which is exciting. So yeah, Kurt and I are having our first baby. Um, and it's something I really wanted to fit in to my running career at some point. So yeah, I'm trading a marathon for the baby. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so exciting. So congratulations, Molly. Obviously, Alicia and I are like delighted for you. I know. And I'll be asking you guys lots of advice. So I'm glad that you're pros already. (laughs) Yeah. And but anyone's interested in I don't know, maternity and pregnancy during running. We'll have it all coming up. If yes. anyone has questions or in that actually might be good to do an episode. And, you know, if anyone's interested in that topic, send along your questions or email us. 
and we'll definitely um have more actually we've got some good research to show in a couple of weeks um that we can bring that up as well so yes we yeah. we will have to do a season three um episode on that for sure yeah and yeah, yeah between you and alicia that you're so um full of great info roisin is talking about a study that's coming out that she and francine Darak, our friend of the pod helped um create and get gather all the information and it's really benefiting athletes who are doing this right now like me and all the other women who are going to try and run through pregnancy and come back afterwards so yeah very yeah. helpful so yeah we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll watch the space for that yes um so congratulations how are you feeling by the way like for anyone who's interested <laughs> how you're feeling in that like um, I feel okay. You know, I, I mean, I cut my training in half just because, so I'm doing like 40, 45 miles a week. I have been since probably the last two months. Um, yeah. I, f I feel okay. I feel like I could do more probably, but I just kind of yes. think why bother doing yeah. more at this point. Um, yeah. and I figure I'll eventually be doing less than that too. So just going to take yeah. a little break whenever I need to. Yeah, good, good. And I'm sure the second trimester, hopefully you feel a little bit more energy and then you feel good. Yeah. So far, so good. Not too much morning sickness and all, right? No, not too bad. I am feeling a little better. I'm at like week, I'm like on week 15 right now. Oh, yeah. I am feeling a little less um, like. Placenta yeah. is complete. Now you start <laughs> feeling better. <laughs> Placenta completed. Yes. Yeah. Pretty nice. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's fascinating. I love it. So great, great. Okay, so we'll back to the running shop talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got four out of the six world marathon majors to discuss. Um, four of them happened in a 15-day span, thereabouts. Um, starting off with Berlin, Molly, what do you think? Wow, okay. So Berlin was the first one back. Everyone was so excited to have majors. Um, it looked like a really nice weather day over there, a little warm, maybe it was 69 degrees, I think Fahrenheit or so. Um, and we saw an Ethiopian sweep, super fast race. Our top, um, top few women were in the 220 to 223 range. The winner in her debut marathon was, um, Gautiam Gibrasalassi. Uh, she ran 220. 0.09 almost dipped under the 220 nice. there yeah. so yeah it was a pretty crazy day that's great that's great um and then we moved on a week later to london um which was another great day for running wasn't it so yeah london a week later um it was a deep field there were five women under 220 um mm. and all the Love way it. down i think charlotte purdue was 10th with a 2.23. So this was a really wow. deep day. That was a two minute PR for Charlotte, a really uh, well-known British marathoner. Um, mm -hmm. And the winner was Jocelyn Jepkowski in 2.17. She was moving. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah, and Bridget Koskai was in this field, uh, the world record holder. And she ended up fourth, just showing how deep this field was. And we had some some really fast seeds who were kind of trying to double back from the Tokyo Olympics. And that's just a hard turnaround. You know, they had yeah. eight, eight weeks, so they weren't in the top three, but yeah, it was Jocelyn's that's, day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just looking up there. Um, you know, you're looking at like five, 12 pace for the 26.2 miles. So some Mind savage flow. running. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, just throw in a 217 there. Really, really amazing. 
Um, okay. And then we hopped over to, well, we didn't, but the World Marathon May just hopped over to Chicago, um, where it was warmer and humid. And the winner was Ruth Chepengedich. And do you remember we were, um, our, us runners on our text chain were like texting each runners. other about how fast she went out <laughs> that day. We were yes. like, she's dropped her male pacer already. It's only been eight miles. Um, yeah, so- I was at a little 5K and my like phone was blowing <laughs> up from you guys. You're like, this is not real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a humid day and she still, she went for the world record. I mean, she was out at one point, she was on 212 marathon pace. And then she slowed down when her male pacer stepped off and she still went through the half at 67.34, which, I mean, that's not far off, uh, 2.14 pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had a big positive split. I've, I was wondering if second place was going to catch Ruth, um, mm-hmm. but she held on for the win because that lead was just too big. I think her second 5K was almost 75 minutes. So that's a hard way. Second half. Yeah. Or sorry, her second half. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was exciting. Um, And Emma Bates had a big one to finish second. I think she PR'd by 40 seconds or something like that to run 224. Um, She passed a lot of people at the end. So that was super exciting. And yeah, I'm just reading about her. Like she started, she joined um, Emma Coburn and just, I mean, Joe Bossard's group recently and the chain is really benefited for her yeah it was cool like I saw posts that they were all out there cheering for her in person so Uh, like that squad I think really carried her through and I'm sure good thing going on there yeah I'm sure that was helping um and then Sarah Hall who we were looking to maybe for an American record um Mm -hmm. just had a tough day in that weather I don't think anyone was running an American record in that weather so she hung on for third and 227 which if your off day is still a podium finish that is not very uh too shabby (laughs) yeah it just shows you like her consistency has been amazing with this marathon the marathons in the last few years and um and then the very next day we had Indigenous Peoples Day in Boston where we had the Boston Marathon and another great day there um a little rainier though right it was a little rainy in the morning um on the i don't know all these marathons were on the warm side this year Mm, i think but mm, not not too bad um the times were maybe like i noticed the pack all went out and stayed together for a long time on the women's side so i don't know if mm -hmm, that meant mm -hmm. it was a little harder of a day yeah the men's race was funny. It was fun to watch with the um, American guy taking the, off. Yeah, the breakaway that he lasted yeah. for uh, a long time. So it was the complete opposite of the women's race. They were yeah. kind of in a pack the whole time. And finally, uh, Diana Kipyogi broke away to win. Um, and we saw who I was rooting for, Edna Kiplagat, chase her down. Mm-hmm. 41-year-old Edna, she's such a legend. Um, she did that in 2017 in Boston and won. I remember she came from mm-hmm. behind and was just passing people the last, like, 5K. So she's yeah. she's just amazing. Um, and Mary Naguji in third place. Um, it was actually, like, a pretty close finish for, like, third, fourth, fifth. So it was really exciting. I was at the finish line that day, and it was uh, really fun to be there and just, like, see everybody cruising down Boylston Street. Yeah. Did it make you itchy for to do it again, like to do it? It did. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to do Boston again. You know, the only time I'd done it, it wasn't like the the best conditions. I really want to get it. It was the worst conditions. (laughs) It was the worst of the worst. So yeah, I want to swam down it. (laughs) Yeah. So watching people run down 
uh, Boylston was pretty, um, definitely it would make anyone want to do it. If you're standing at the finish line, you're like, I'm doing this next year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel weird to be like, like not running though? Is that some, like, did it feel funny to just be like, it wasn't too, like, I mean, we've, we've both like cheered Kim on and cheered our teammates on. So it was kind of just like that point of view. Like I've, I've been in that point of view, but it was crazy to see like behind the scenes, just like everything that goes into the finish line alone. Like, Mm. I mean, you know, the marathons are a huge, um, just logistical organizational, Mm -hmm. like masterpiece. But when you're right before the gun goes off at the finish line, you see everyone like in their walkie talkies being like the flyover is happening. Okay. Cue this thing. Cue the dogs. Mm. Cue. Wow. Like, and you're just like, wow, what a machine this is. This is kind yeah. of uh, amazing. What's about the security must be pretty high in there now. After yeah. Bombs. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I'm assuming bomb sniffing dogs. There are a lot mm. of dogs, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of security, a lot of checks. Um, yeah, definitely okay. felt, it felt pretty safe. Okay. Very good. Very um, good. And shout out to Nell Rojas in Boston. Um, I didn't want to leave her out. She had a big PB. Um, and yeah, I think she's having was, a great fall. Yeah. Nell is doing really well. Yeah. She won that exciting 10 miler against Jenny Simpson a few weeks earlier. So you knew she was fit. So I wanted to give Nell her shout out. Okay. Ro, what, what do you think about, um, Shalane Flanagan's <laughs> attempt to run all she's doing six she's not doing even just the five doing all six marathons in what is it 43 days yeah I I my hats are hats hats plural are off to her <laughs> um yeah she's got a lot of energy that lady for play to her and I'm like fascinated and obviously she's you know supreme athlete and you know she's clicking away on these 235s and and no bother to her at all um and you know it's great to see that she's gets to enjoy running in a different way and and I know the last time we talked to her she had an injury and was having a hard time you know she had some knee replacement two right two maybe of the last while um so to get to get running back I think maybe two tendons yeah yeah, so it's obviously her running is back in full force and um, it's great to see her enjoying this other side of it. And she just seems so full of enthusiasm and yeah, like her play to her. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk to her after New York, like maybe a few weeks after and just see like, what was it like? How did it feel? Yeah. How was that? Uh, what was motivating her? Like, yeah. how did this work? Like, how did she <laughs> in it? I have so many questions, but um, yeah, just yeah. some some quick stats on this. She wants to do them all in under three hours and she's like way under three hours. She's doing, so her first one in Berlin was 238. Her a week later fastest one still is this London marathon. She ran 235 like low um, and said after the race, she actually had to walk a few times because she went out too hard and still ran that fast. Um, Then Chicago, this is the weekend everyone was wondering about. She ran conservative and ran 246, knowing she had to run Boston the next day. Um, And in Boston, she ran 240. Uh, and uh, even passed some of the professional runners. And then she went home to Portland, and about a week later, I think it was, they did a marathon simulation to make up for Tokyo, which has been delayed. Um, And she ran 235 low there. So (laughs) she's really crushing these. I'm like, is she going to unleash in New York? Let's see what happens there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. 
Cool. And another um, woman who's doing all of the majors is Tatiana McFadden. Um, she is she won uh, Chicago and has podiumed in all the other races so far. So she she isn't doing Tokyo because they're, I think she's probably going to do yeah. it in the, in the spring when it got rescheduled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tatiana is also crushing it. And uh, Manuela Shar has won every single one, except she took Chicago off because she didn't want to do that tight turnaround. But mm-hmm. um, Manuela mm-hmm. might win like five of the six majors this fall, which is oh. amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 So that's the pro wheel, the pro wheel roundup. Those two women are dominating. They're so exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen New York is next, so I'm excited for that. Unfortunately, Emily Sisson, our friend and teammate, um, has had to pull out of that, which is which is a bummer. Um, so hopefully she's feeling better and I wish her a speedy return to fitness there. Um, what are you excited about for New York, Molly? Oh gosh, I haven't looked at the start list, but New York's yeah. always a great race. Um yeah. Yeah, no, Mary Katani, we saw that she retired this past year. She's usually, oh, yeah. you know, she's a New York legend. She's won, oh gosh, how many times there? Five. Yeah. Um, but um, I know some American runners like Steph uh, Rostein and Kellen Taylor and nice. um, Laura they Sweet. Bring it. Yep, they're on the start list. I would need to look again to see who else is there, but yeah. it's going to be yeah. an exciting day. Um, so what else has been going on? Anything this fall? <laughs> Well, a couple, couple world records. <laughs> um, the most recent news, probably to us, as the day of we're recording, as of the day we're recording this, is the world record in the half marathon by twenty-three-year-old Batez Nabet Gaday, sixty-two-fifty-two officially, <laughs> <laughs> which might take yeah. you a minute to like process. Because it took me a minute to process that time. Yeah, and we can throw these numbers around, but like 52, 62, 52 is, is elite man's time, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... To, we have to gender um, everything, but I'm just saying it's, it's like 48 per mile. Yeah, like it's only seconds like, off the time that um, some of the American men who qualify for the World Half Marathon Championships would run to go mm-hmm. do an international meet at that level. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. actually amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. So she's running 448 um, for, <laughs> for the distance. Um, and that's 15 minute pace for 5K. That's, these are all like, this is elite, elite running at its like finest. And this discussion about, you know, was this the greatest female athletic performance of all time in the running world? It's just, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard it to might be, you know, it's crazy when you look, um, Latez Nabet was, was beaten by Sifan Hassan in 2019 and in 2021 on the track, but maybe she needed to just run, you know, further, maybe her distance is going to be, um, not that that wasn't an amazing, she's run 1406. <laughs> Guys, she has a world record in the 5K. What she can do at marathon and half marathon is going to be really interesting. Um, that's a yeah. mind-blowing performance. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, I think someone tried to figure out what that equates to for marathon, and it's like 212-something, which mm. is bananas. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah we're, so you. <laughs> we're, just, we're just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. 
And I was trying to say to Molly, like, that's how most people feel about her American record, which is what, 512 pace? Yeah, like I had to actually kind of like ask my husband, Kurt, like about the splits and like to wrap my head around it at first because it's closer to a man's time than a woman. You know, it was like territory that I don't like relate to <laughs> so yeah. when I was yeah. thinking. I was like, so wait, is how good is that? And he was just like, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, to be honest, I feel the same way that you're half marathon, 512 paces like, yeah, what? I yeah, no, I got I kind of get my head around that. So it's like you're getting the experience. Of that's, that's like marathon pace now. That's that's the uh, you know elite it's women's marathon. Actually, on a Saturday note, one of the world records in the women's ten k in the road um, was was um, made by um, Agnes Tirop, and um, many people know now. But Agnes was actually murdered at her home, um, back in Kenya. Um, a couple of weeks ago at this point and um, there's still like a obviously it's very very sad and very very tragic for the whole running community and and her family and friends in Kenya um, and just we just want to kind of like yeah share our respects to Agnes and I mean, he's just turning 20 25 26 just such a tragedy to still figuring out the details and what could have happened but most likely was murdered by her husband um which a lot of Kenyan athletes are talking about domestic violence and um I know it's not you know just a Kenyan issue but I think it's it's important that we bring awareness to this topic and um it's definitely shook the running world Agnes is one of the best runners in the world and she, then the the Berlin 10k road race, she mm-hmm. won the, she the world record. She had that world record before it was reset by um, Kalkadin Gazagin a few weeks, months later. Um, but she, yeah, if if something like that can happen to one of the best um, woman athletes in the world, it's pretty scary. It shows that um, you know there's a lot of women speaking out, like. Um, Boston third placer Mary Naguji and Viola Lagat had both um, been posting on social media and um, had some really powerful things to say. And I think they were trying to organize something um, back in Kenya to to focus more on protection of women and um, the corruption that can go on there um, when you yeah. have a, a successful female athlete because running is such a big, um, you know, it's like such an economical impact in Kenya. And I think some of the women are treated, mistreated and taken advantage of with their, Mm -hmm. when they become great athletes and are bringing in money, unfortunately. So extremely Mm. sad news there. Devastating. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So may she rest in peace. Yes. Um, But we also wanted to say before we head out, um, this is a new season, season three. We have some good stuff coming towards you guys, uh, all you people who are keeping track fans. Um, We wanted to mention, um, please keep uh, giving us ratings on iTunes and comments. We want to try and get to 500 ratings um, that will help Mm -hmm. us with our visibility um, on you know, as people search iTunes for women's sports podcasts. And um, also, don't forget to check out our website, 
um, keeping-track.com, I think yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll link that, uh, for all of our links. And you know, we want you, most of the women we mentioned, even in this catch up, we're going to have how to follow them on social media and online, yeah. um, links to the races and article links to articles about the races. Um, and then we still do have our Patreon if you are inclined to support us that way. So that's linked to our, uh, Instagram account and our, uh, blog as well. Now we'll give you uh, Track Girl Summer, the ladies of Track Girl Summer. Such a great interview. Corey Thanks. Carter and Natasha Hastings. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. Season three, we're super excited about our first episode of season three. We have, you may have heard of Track Girl Summer. Natasha Hastings and Corey Carter, who we really want to talk about this show, but also their excellence as athletes. Just some brief stats. Natasha Hastings, aka 400 meter diva, has uh, over 10 medals in the 4x4, most of them gold. Um, has been good for a long time. World Youth, World Junior Champion, NCAA Champion in the 400. You all know Natasha. You've seen her at all the World Championships and Olympics. And Corey Carter, 2017 world champ in the 400 hurdles, NCAA champ from Stanford, and the other half of Track Girl Summer. So we're going to dive in. There's a lot more to these women, um, and we're going to talk about it. I'm so excited. Yes, yes. I'm super stoked. I got an opportunity to connect with um, Natasha Hastings and Corey Carter a few weeks ago and on Track Girl Summer, and I have to say it was the – I just felt super comfortable connecting with them. Um excited. We talked for a really long time. So if you guys haven't already headed over to track girl summer, you can follow them at IG. You can, uh, follow them also on YouTube, which is also, you know, where you're going to be able to watch all their videos. So do all that stuff. Um, I wanted to just ask really quick, first of all, um, on the track side of things, Corey, how you got into the sport, Natasha, how you guys both got into the sports, you guys pick whoever wants to get started on that. Um, well, since you said my name first, I'll go first. <laughs> um, yeah, I basically have been an athlete my entire life. I remember, like, apparently when I was, like, four or five, I was, like, sitting on my sister's bench trying to get in the game, um, <laughs> even though I wasn't yet old enough to play. And I pretty much played every sport except for a track, and I just was kind of bored with softball. It moves too slow, so I just was like, oh, I want to try track and I thought I was going to be a heptathlete. I wanted to be the next Jackie Jordan Kersey. And then I found out about the 800 and I was like, actually I'm in love with the hurdles <laughs> and it's been a wrap ever since. So yeah, I started in like seventh grade and have been with it since then. You weren't trying to hang out with me in the 800, Corey? It was actually one of my strongest events and I would be like, hey guys, we could just not do this. and Just, <laughs> just take whatever place we're in at this point and walk away we don't have to do the 800 and they and no one ever wanted to take me up my offer and i was like all right well i'm about to get max points here um <laughs> <laughs> i love it natasha what about you well first thanks for having us exciting to be here and to be on another platform that's creating safe space for us like-minded women to talk um but I was a little bit younger than Corey, a lot, well, not a lot younger. Uh, I say that I was born into the sport or I believe I was born into the sport. Both of my parents ran track. My mom was an Olympian for Trinidad. 
um, and I joined a team officially when I was nine. Um, my mom used to take me to a track meet called the Colgate Women's Games. That is still in existence to this day. I think it's been around for like almost 30 years now, if not 30 already. Um, it's a series of meets in New York that's held over a six-week period. And anyone can enter their kids in. My mom took me every year. And then this year, my coach who ended up coaching me from then till I went off to college coached me or discovered me, I should say. Um, and I specialized in the 400 very early. Um, I probably specialized around like 11, 10 or 11. Um, so yeah, I've been going at it for a really long time. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've got two questions from that. First, your parents were, you know, major track athletes. Did you feel any pressure to do track or did you, is it something that you wanted to do? And then talking about specializing a little bit, I wanted to kind of dive into that. Cause we talked about that on track girl summer where, you know, not a lot of, we always talk about athletes not specializing earlier and you mm -hmm. did. And I wonder if it played into any, you know, thoughts of burnout or anything like that. I mean, obviously yeah. <laughs> you've been around for a really long time and didn't show us <laughs> that you were burnt out, but did you experience it and we just didn't see it? I think that, so I'll start with the specializing question first. Um, if there's any, regret that I have over my career. It's the not trying other things. Um, I specialized early, but I do think that I had longevity. And I think where what played in my favor was favor was that my mother was also a young athlete. And so I always tell the story. One day I went to practice and I had 10 400s and I think I ran like two 400s and I peed myself on my way to the bathroom. And at the same time, my mom was coming into practice and my mom was like, what's the workout? Who's doing that? Not my kid. She yanked me off the team that day. Um, that. And I like to tell that story because we are in a culture where we're seeing parents overwork their kids and mm. overtrain their kids. And although I specialized very early, I attribute my longevity to my mother being the one that was like, no, you're not going to overwork my kid. Mm -hmm. 10, 400. I mean, even as a professional, I don't, I don't do 10, 400 in a workout. That's just insane yeah. to put on a child. Um, if so, it's not at marathon pace. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's like a workout we would do. <laughs> yeah. So right. um, I do wish though, that is one of my regrets. I do wish that I, I had tried other sports, but for me, it was just, I'm good at this. I tried basketball. It didn't work out. Everybody likes to win. I went back to what I knew I was good at. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like, you know, doing other sports, the skills are transferable. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I say like, I wish that I would have done that. And I advise other young athletes that like, Hey, you don't have to specialize early. Um, you know, you can try out other things and have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and then okay. to your first question, which I'm answering second, um, I'll say my mom was very good at, and to this day, very good at separate separating encouragement from pressure. Um, to this day, even though it's my job, there's still the question of, is this what you want to do? Are you enjoying this? Um, the pressure more so came from myself, me putting, you know, we're, we're our worst critic mm -hmm. and we, we put the most pressure on ourselves. Um, and, and my father, you know, my father 
was a coach. They ran track. That's how my parents met at a D2 university in New York. And my father ended up coaching that team. And I used to go to practice with him when he was coaching. But once I started running track, it was really my mom who was more so involved. My dad wasn't really the one taking me to practice and such. So um, really was my mom who was like really instrumental in the support. And um, yeah, she, she was awesome. Still is awesome. Yeah. I see her all the time. I'm like a big Natasha's mom fan. Or Natasha's mom. She's all over your Instagram. I'm like, okay, yeah, we know. <laughs> um, I love that so much. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot to be said. Pressure is a good thing, but it's like how to learn to handle it. Yeah. Um, so moving forward into just like talking a little bit more about um, what you guys are doing now and, you know, with track girl summer and why you started track girl summer. I love you know, the tagline, bringing the culture to track and field, because I mean, first of all, can you just tell us Corey, maybe like, what does it mean to be bringing the culture to track and field? Yeah, I think, um, we're in a sport that's made up of diverse people, you know, all these different cultures and the majority of the media outlets are white men. And so it's like, how can you properly tell our stories if you're not part of the communities? in which you are reporting on. And I think that, you know, also having the perspective of like, not only are we part of this culture, like we are also part part of the sport on an elite level. And so we kind of have a inside look at our sport. And I think um, it's just easy to, for athletes to talk to, to athletes. And, and I feel like I've been really blessed working with Natasha and I think we have had a lot of people really pour into what we've been doing. And I think it's been crazy that, you know, we have, we've, we've got a lot of yeses when it comes to our show. Way more yeses but, than no's. Yeah. yeah. And it's I like people that, you know, not only our peers, but people that are like literal, literal icons, legends in our sport. And I'm just like, wait, Sandra Farmer Patrick just brought out all of her couture track uniforms. Like she dug up in her attic for us. Jack Jonah Kersey is over here troubleshooting tech so that, you know, her camera can be right to come on our show. Like <laughs> Mike Powell was like, I can come on your show, but I got to go to church. Actually, I'm having such a good time talking with you and Gil Deepers. Jesus I'll can wait. Yeah. And I think it's, I think the reason why is because like a lot of people, I think they get what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been really fun. Um, uh, just being able to connect and, and, and tell the story, not even tell the stories, to allow athletes to tell their stories in a way that's organic. And that goes on beyond like, Hey, talk about this race. And you know, what was the split in your training? Like we're more than that. Like people are human beings. And we say all the time, like we're fans of our sport, but we're more, more so fans of the people of our sport. So, uh, that was a long way to No. It's everything. It's everything. And there is a lot to, to your stories. I think Mm -hmm. Molly, did you want to? Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that um, we're seeing a lot of women athletes across a lot of sports start their own like niche media outlets, whether it's a YouTube channel, a podcast, an actual like media platform, um, like with together. And I think that's kind of the way to show people what's possible, what's what other women sports fans want what sports fans are missing mm-hmm. um what in, what was the moment like were you guys thinking that this needs to happen and we need to be the ones to do it or like what was the inspiration and how'd you get started 
we were told that we were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> who told who told you? Like who was like you two are the the ones to get this done? The internet. But Natasha could tell that story. <laughs> um first of all, let so many things that I want to say. And Corey, I think you know what I want to say. <laughs> Corey and I um, had done a segment, a couple of segments on my YouTube channel called Tea Time with Tasha. And the viewers just loved our energy. And it was like, wait, like, we have some energy here. We We have great rapport. And it's interesting because we don't always agree on things, but we have a way of like having this respectful banter of like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> you know? um, and then neither one of us made it to the Olympics. Um, I went to the trials. Unfortunately, Corey was hurt before the trials. So, um, so it was a situation where it was like, okay, we're home. And then somehow, like, that turned into our Olympic experience. Um, and we were asked to do um, something in conjunction with um, a, pl- a production company called World's Greatest. And then we ended up doing it for 13 days straight over the Olympics. And we were like, whoo, this is a full-time job. <laughs> but we had so much fun, as dog-tired as we were. Uh, but Molly, I want to, like, piggyback on what you said earlier, because there was a moment um, while we were doing the broadcast over the Olympics and um, Corey, I don't, I don't know if you remember what the topic was or how we got to that point where I said, you know, when I go out and I talk to young girls, I have my foundation, um, Natasha Hastings Foundation, which is for girls. I always emphasize that we need more of us in the journalism space, the camera woman space, the executive space, because when we look at how our stories are being told, as Corey said earlier, they're being told by white men. And I said more than anything, if we want to impact the decisions that are being made on our behalf, as well as the way that we are portrayed in the media, we -hmm. need more of us in those spaces. Because when I look out and look at the cameraman, I've never seen a camera woman out there. So when you look at how, you know, we're out there competing in these skimpy uniforms and then we're captured in a not so flattering position, well, who's behind the camera? And I remember Corey having a visible moment where she was like, hold up, wait a minute. There's some truth to that. So that's a real stat. On Track Girl Summer. Yeah, Yeah, that's a real stat. We're Mm -hmm. giving uh, the people their flowers. And so we'd like to pay the flowers to you all as well in that, like, we're not just talking about it. We're doing it and taking Mm -hmm. the space to actively tell the stories of other women because we're not going to be portrayed the way that we want to be portrayed if we don't find that voice and use that voice for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Talk about taking up space. And um, Natasha, you also added to the space that you're taking up as an athlete, as a woman as a black woman, now as a mom, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that entry as well? And like, you know, how you navigated that? I mean, you know, we talked a little bit on track girl summer about my experience and then yours, you know, you having a woman there to talk to that helped Mm -hmm. protect that space for you. But like, can you give us a little bit more about how you navigated that? Um, becoming a mother (laughs) was hard, still is hard, but it's, one of the most beautiful things that I've ever done. Wouldn't change it. Can't wait to do it again. Um, But there was fear 
in the moment that I found out I was pregnant, um, what does this mean for my career? I wasn't someone that was planning my career um, or planning. I guess I was, but I was in a way that I was like, I'm going to retire and then have a kid. We all know how you make babies. I obviously was being grown and I got pregnant. (laughs) A plus B. uh, Hey, baby. (laughs) Yeah. So I was faced with, I don't even want to say I was faced with the choice because the choice never crossed my mind um, because I knew that this was what I wanted. Um, But I went through what I guess, I don't know, prenatal depression. I was Mm -hmm. like, why is no one talking about this? That Mm -hmm. like we, we emphasize a lot of postpartum depression. But during I was pregnant and during I was pregnant, I was going through what I felt like was depression. And I think largely because I had to hide my pregnancy for five or six months. I didn't tell my brand until I was about five months. And at that point, it was because it was like, "Uh, girl, um, you can't hide this much longer. Um, And then when I finally made the phone call, um, I was relieved to hear oh my God, congratulations. Why didn't you tell us sooner? Uh You know, and then it turned into, um, doing some ad work and doing even some, um, post postnatal recovery stuff with the human performance team that like, they really rallied around me and supported me, but it actually wasn't until your New York times op-ed came out maybe a month or so after me telling them that I was pregnant, they actually called me back and they were like, we just want to apologize because I knew you were stressed out and I knew this was a tough phone call to make. But after reading this, now I see what pressure you were under. So mm-hmm. it was it was a combination of two things. Number one, I made that call to two women. I'm going to call their names, Jamie Christ and um, Tori Hanna. Um, and then it was hearing another woman's story that then made them say, oh, shit. Yeah. Are we allowed to curse here? Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) A little E there, children. (laughs) This is, I thought I grasped what was happening, but Mm -hmm. now I see what she was truly dealing with. And so, you know, having the space to make that phone call to a woman, but then having the woman say, wait, no, 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 no. I, I, I heard you, but I want you to know, I hear you. Mm. Uh, That was big because it does, it does make it a little bit hard for me in a sense when I go into some spaces and and I want to honor that, you know, your experience was totally different from mine and mm-hmm. it's tough. But then at the same time, I feel like I'm an example of how it can be. Can be. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the way that you experienced it. And a lot of other women, Allison, um, had to experience it. Yeah. Um, but it took making that call to a woman. Yeah. And like you said, it's a, it's a lot about even just having the uh, opportunity to open up dialogue and mm-hmm. like have that conversation. Like, you know, maybe people not even recognizing this is a problem. People didn't recognize this is a problem yeah. across all industries, not just mm-hmm. in sports. We know sports is just a microcosm of what's happening in the world. Yeah. All of a sudden there's like eyes on these athletes mm-hmm. that need the same support. So many women industries the world over have needed. And now just because we pay attention to them all the time on the screen and we, you know, we, applaud their performances and how Mm -hmm. we can physically see it. It's like, Oh, how do we make sure that this isn't a continual problem? And like you said, acknowledging that it's, you're a small percentage, which is not what we want. We want for your, your, the way that your story panned out to be 
the greater percentage, like right. be the greater good. And even you sharing that and having the platform now to be able to say, oh, we have to actually kind of help sharing more about what it looks like when we do have our pregnant athletes. Because that that's some of the problem. We can't even game. imagine what it looks yeah. like, right? right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like Natasha, exactly. I know we came up in the sport at the same time. You didn't mm-hmm. see women having kids and then coming back. And so we were just, I, did you internalize that? Because I know I was always like, you can't even ask for anything. Like you have to just be done with what you're doing or some women just- It was that. Take the pay, they just take the cut and don't mm-hmm. say anything. And so it, that's what I saw over and over until Alicia- mm-hmm changed everything for us. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, totally. And even, I mean, the the self-defeating thoughts within myself, would I be able to come back from having a child? Yeah. Um, but a lot of that rests in the idea of, will I be supported? Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, like to be a parent and to be an athlete, both require a tremendous amount of support. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. If you don't have the support, it's tough to to imagine. So, yeah. And and I, I want to also point out, Alicia, you were kind of getting to it, that it's a problem that's bigger than sports. Right. But because we have the visibility, we can change it for all women because no woman should have to make the choice between career and family. And that was where 100%. I found solace in my pregnancy was that I realized like, oh, a lot of women deal with this, mm-hmm. but it was also like, but why are we dealing with this? You know, right, um, and right. it's not just a women in sports thing, but it truly is an American woman thing. Right. And you, I, I don't even want to use the word push through because ugh, it makes me cringe saying that you, um, you know, had your super duper cute son, Liam, um, you call Liam, it's William, correct? Right. Yeah. Full name. Um, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, you had the support around you, but then you suddenly became a single mom training for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that experience and like how you were able, even able to kind of rearrange what you needed to, to get done and, and even like put your brain towards, I'm still going to go towards trying to make this Olympic team. And how um, it affected you. Like, let's tell the truth, like real raw, open the book yeah. if you need to, whichever way. It's not something I'm really proud of. And when I say I'm not really proud of it, I mean it from a standpoint of I didn't give myself a choice. Um, Giving up was not an option. Um, What I did do was my son's father and I broke up um, on a Saturday. By Tuesday, I was sitting in a therapist chair. I immediately, I remember my mom, (laughs) my mom and I were on our way from um, the breakup happening. I was on my way to try on my wedding dress and my mom looked at me and she was like, I don't know what you, what you do, um, but you need to get into some therapy. And um, I was like, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, probably won't get married. The wedding was in like six weeks from that. And I was like, uh, definitely won't get married in six weeks, but maybe we can go to counseling, get this thing figured out. And and then I went and tried on my dress, got a text message, and I was like, oh, okay, this is done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I immediately went into um, protection mode. Uh, like I said, I got into therapy the next that Tuesday. 
um, my mom was already living with me in Texas. So I had that support because my son's father was working. And so again, support, I already knew, like, (laughs) I'm going to need help with the baby and training. And so, so I was lucky in the sense that I had that access and that support, um, where my mom was able to, to be there with me full time. And then COVID hit, (laughs) which was kind of a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was tough, but I think I, I honestly attribute me not losing my mind or (laughs) containing the lossage of the mind Mm -hmm. to getting into therapy because there were things that, um, I had to uncover. And when I got into therapy, I remember very clearly saying, I'm here to figure out why I keep coming back to this situation and how I fix that so that I don't repeat this because I don't want to repeat this for my son. Um, And so a lot of it, when I, again, I say I'm not proud of it, a lot of it was for my son as opposed to it being for me. Um, which is what I think, unfortunately, a lot of Black women do. Um, we put ourselves last. And even from the standpoint of I probably needed to take a step back from track mm-hmm. um, to take care of myself, I didn't, I didn't give myself that space because I still had to do everything that I said I was going to do. And I still had to be the best mom that I wanted to be. And I still had to show up with a smile on my face, even though on the inside I was hurting. Um, But I, I, before we got on this call, I had a session with my therapist. So. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And again, like the, the whole just awareness right now, just having this conversation with Natasha Hastings, this athlete that you just see perform and like this whole person that's within there. And then, you know, just again, we've talked about sports being a microcosm of what's happening in the world, sharing Mm -hmm. your, your journey in therapy, you know, your journey in motherhood, single motherhood, and so many people having opportunity to relate from how they see you, yeah, you know, on the track and now how they see you like, oh my goodness, like this is inspiring. It's powerful for me, you know, like she's a whole person. And so when we talk about track girl summer and being like, Hey guys, you know, these are these people that you see as these, how was the race? You know, no, they're trying to bring it back and say, Hey, like, take a look at like, there's much bigger picture for us to talk about. And I want to bring those athlete stories mm-hmm. to you guys. So I, I love this so much. And you also just, you know, being who you are, you know, it's, 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 we're lucky that we get trial yeah. summer and um, therapy. If you have any notes for anybody that's trying to figure out how to get into therapy, I'd love to just like a quick little, uh, you know, note for anybody that's listening. Like, how did you do it so quickly? How do we get to it? Um, I literally, I I love that my very first session, my therapist asked, uh, so what do you need? And I was like, huh? Um, what I knew that I needed immediately was someone that looked like me. Um, this was not my first experience with therapy, but I think given my experience this time going to therapy, I wanted someone that looked for me. So I literally just Googled Black female therapist in Austin, Texas. You just went, like, <laughs> we're going, we're going to take a leap. And I it. searched, yeah. yeah. Um, but there there are different platforms out there. Um, I love Black Girl Therapy on Instagram. There's also the Love Land. Um, that's a really good resource. And they can actually help 
because access to therapy is a tough one. Not everyone can afford it, but mm-hmm. we all need it. Um, and so Loveland is a, a platform that will help with some of that, that I, I really like Loveland Foundation, that is. Um, but yeah, if you got a smartphone, you can search Mm-hmm. the person that you're looking for. And don't be afraid or ashamed to be specific. Like I wanted a black woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so huge. And uh, Corey, I want to kind of dive over to you a little bit and just um, same, like, you know, there's a lot to tell within your story that we don't even know about. Why is this, you know, we've had these storied athletes, um, you know, you've had quite a bit of injuries, you know, these last couple of years and you have a new diagnosis with uh, diabetes. Can you tell us about, you know, your season last year, how that unfolded going into, um, you know, from COVID into the Olympic year and then not making the team? Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of been struggling with some Achilles problems for like the past, like probably three years now, um, which is kind of hard because, you know, you kind of need your Achilles to run it. <laughs> and um for me, it, it was just kind of like, I think I'm really good at compartmentalizing. And as a born hurdler, I'm really, really good with dealing with pain. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of my specialty. Um, but my injury kind of just like it wears on you because like, you know, when you compete, you kind of go into this special headspace where you're like, all right, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be okay with it. And I was going into that headspace um, every single day to like get out of bed because like some days I'd wake up and it'd be like excruciating pain to walk. And like, that was kind of, you know, taxing just like mentally to have to be in like fight or flight mode all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my coach, and so it was like hard to train because by the time I got to my workout, like, I had just expended so much energy just going through my warm up, just trying to be like, let's try not to limp <laughs> through these drills, you know? Um, so one of my coach was like, you're not going to trials. Like, I'm not having you go out here um, and like crash and burn off hurdle because like- I didn't even know that you're, that Flo made that decision. Okay, sorry. Well, yeah, of course he did. I'm crazy. Like, you think I was going to be like, I'm not going to trial? Because in my mind, like- I always say I'm kind of a bit of a psychopath. Like I'm always just like, okay, I don't have good practices, but I always believe in myself that like when it comes, I, I know I'm a gamer. So mm-hmm. I'll figure out a way to turn it on. If I have to limp across the line, okay. Like, um, but it was just, it's just difficult because at my height um, as a 400 hurdler, I need every single inch I can get on my stride in order to hit my stride pattern. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I like to say I'm six three, but I'm I'm not. Uh, <laughs> and so, it, Sorry, and my my injury was like restricting my stride because I really couldn't push off of my my foot like I wanted to. And then it was like I couldn't push into the hurdle, couldn't really land. It was just a mess. And so, yeah, <laughs> it was like that doesn't really work for hurdling. Yeah, and so was getting over that like doing track all summer was funny because um like when we were doing the olympic coverage i was we would like report on the olympics in the morning and then like spend the the rest of the day getting ready for the next day's show and then waking up at night and in the morning to watch the olympics and be ready it was just like it it was we were up all day all night we were getting like three four hours of, of sleep 
So I was like crashing at Natasha's place so we could do the show. And I, at one point I was like, I feel like I'm pregnant because I was, even though I, there was no possible way that it was. Oh, okay. I was like, you know what? You can tell um, us that story too. No. Um, no grown activities. Um, it was like, well. I, was, I was waking up um, four to five times at least a night to pee. Um, I was eating all the time. I was drinking and I felt like I couldn't um, quench my thirst. Like I was drinking every hour on the hour and it felt like, you know, when you're working out and like you get that first gulp of water and then all of a sudden you can't stop drinking. That was that. And all I was doing was sitting down like, um, Liam, <laughs> I feel so bad. Like Liam had a his birthday cake and I ate from the L and Liam to the in to and finish the cake. Uh, <laughs> because I just couldn't stop. It was over a couple days, but it was like, I ate the whole, and I was like, what is going on with me? And I was talking to my friend and I was like, yeah, like I, I, just, I, I'm always thirsty. Like I like went into the shower and I had to bring a water bottle. Cause I was like, I can't wash my hair and like be, be without water for that long. And my friend oh. was like, you should, you should go check your um, blood sugar. Like my sister had the same symptoms and she ended up being diabetic. And I was like, there's no way I'm a diabetic. That sounds crazy. And the irony was that I was like, I, I'm not diabetic. On that maybe 45 minute phone call, I peed like four times, but mm. <laughs> um, I drove to Walgreens um, and I like took, got, bought a little glucose monitor and the reader said hi, which meant that I was over 600 um, at least because wow. it didn't even give me a number um, to put that in like perspective, like yeah. the range is 70 to 150. <laughs> Wow. It should be normally. And so, and so the, what you're supposed to do is go straight to the hospital um, because you can slip into a diabetic coma at that. Um, okay. I was hoping that you right, gave and the then gravity what, of, okay. You guys got to just like Google a little bit of what's So this is, this is happening in the middle of the track girl summer. This is actually, summer. this is actually right after the conference, right after. but like we finished, all the yeah. symptoms were happening. Um, so it was like, we or you were like kind of dialing in all the symptoms. Actually, you'd been already been experiencing it. Right? Yeah, I had, I had been experiencing it, and I, yeah. So I had been experiencing it, and then I finally was like, "What is happening? Like, I just like, why am I feeling like this?" And mm -hmm. so you're supposed to, you're supposed to go immediately to the emergency room. I was like, "Well, my phone's on E, so let me go home and charge my phone." And like, I'm also hungry, so like, let me get a snack because what I'm not allowed to do is be in the emergency room with no phone and hungry um because right. I knew I wouldn't be there for a while yeah he could be there a long time yeah and so go there and it's like hold on I have a workout tomorrow morning <laughs> that I if, if you know me like that that makes so much sense like if I had a workout <laughs> I would probably work around it um so I went there and they're like yeah you're definitely a diabetic and my a1c which is basically like uh a reading of your glucose levels for the past three months so I basically had had it for at least three months from what they can tell mm -hmm. um was at 12 um so I think five to six is like healthy um the scale mm. goes to 14 wow. so um which means I was averaging a blood sugar over 300 for the past three months wow um so and that's why I was peeing so much because like your body's trying to expel all the sugar right and I just was like this is ridiculous Natasha was mad at me because I was like, I was just making jokes because I was like, what, what, what is going on right now? And right. my first response to anything traumatic is humor. Um, Same. And so, 
it's been like a process of just like having to shoot myself with insulin four times a day and like luckily I don't have problems with needles because that's not an option with diabetes and Mm -hmm. you know figuring out my diet and you know all Mm. that stuff luckily um my coach the diet I've been on for the past five years is basically the ideal diet for a diabetic so uh (laughs) I'm like at least I know how to do this and I actually got my numbers I'm really proud of myself I got my numbers really under control but Yeah. yeah it's been kind of weird because I feel like I've been this elite athlete and like my body has, you know, done these amazing things. And in like the course of a like few weeks, I was like, I went from like, I'm not going to the Olympics and I'm struggling to walk some days. And like, because of diabetes at one point, like my vision was deteriorating. I'm like, I can't mm. see, I, I can't walk. I got I to gotta take medication. Like I was like, my body just like went to crap all overnight. And I was like, what is life right now but it's fine like I'm getting it together um luckily like I feel like it's weird because my my family's really concerned about me they're like are you okay and I'm like I'm fine like I can handle anything <laughs> and um so wow. I'm just trying to keep like a positive attitude and like luckily I've had a lot of great people who are like very supportive my mom came and stayed with me for like three weeks because she was like my child needs help and then my my best friend came in town, Ajay, and then um, my sister came in town. So I've been under a lot of supervision, and my neighbors have been really helpful, and Natasha has been really helpful. Um, I get I get a lot more calls these days because people Aww. are concerned. But yeah, um, it's been yeah. We want we want calls talk. before something serious happens, but that's nice too. <laughs> well, they do they do too, but okay. um, I think so I was think it type I, one or type type two. Type one, which is genetic. Okay. AK mm-hmm. juvenile diabetes. So like they like it's funny because when I play stuff in my head, like throughout my life, I'm like, maybe I like have had this and like my lifestyle has like really masked the fact that I probably had this for a lot longer than I did. Mm-hmm. Um because mm-hmm. like I've never had a sweet tooth. Um I the, my activity because I'm noticing now, like, because I track my glucose, when I exercise, my glucose goes down. So that probably <laughs> help and then like mm. if you know me I keep a snack on me at all times and yeah. I was just like I probably have just been managing my sugar my whole life without knowing without knowing it um, yeah so luckily a lot of the things that helped me make help make me a great athlete has been like really beneficial and like figuring out how to manage um this like little autoimmune disease I've got going on so yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to just for, for people to just listen, like what are, again, just some quick, you know, things to look for. Yeah. Extreme thirst and hunger, um, and peeing frequently are, um, really good signs. Also, um, I guess I, I was noticing my limbs would go numb a lot. Like, you know, when you get like the statics in your fingers and your toes because it's a circulation thing um Mm. so um and blurry vision I got that eventually um I got it after but because you basically because diabetes affects affects your blood um it affects pretty much every system of your body so um it affects your eyes because the small capillaries in your eyes can make your limbs swell um and so those are some of the signs to look out for or um you're too low it's like it's weird because you can also go hypoglycemic I was hyper when I got 
when I um, discover that I have diabetes, but you can also be hypo um, because your body just isn't good with handling sugar. So that means your blood mm -hmm. sugar is too low. So that you can get really shaky. Um, when I get it, I like get hot. Like I feel like um, I'm about to pass out like hot flashes type deal. And um, yeah, you can also pass out. So those are some of the symptoms. I don't, I don't want to pass out. So everybody yeah. pay attention. Even, even <laughs> if you're an elite athlete, pay attention. Yes, you're, exactly. You yes. can still have health issues crop up. So don't ignore, don't push through, yeah. don't push through that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have mm -hmm. a question for both of you. So like, what is the future of, um, well, you're both doing, you're both changed things up a little bit in this Olympic post-Olympic year. So where are you now? What's next mm -hmm. in track and field, school-wise, stuff like that. But also, what's the future of Track Girls Summer? What do you guys see going? Where do you see that going the next few months? Um, to complete and total world domination. <laughs> Something slight like that. Um, I like I'll that. I'll let Natasha answer because Natasha's got a lot of things going on. Well, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> because I also feel like I need to add, like she mentioned, um, I was like, take this seriously. Like Corey's car mm -hmm. was packed up to drive and follow me to South Carolina to continue track girl summer. And she's like, yeah, I just, I have to go to the doctor on Tuesday, but I'll be there on Wednesday. And I was like, sit down somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I am back in South Carolina. I'm studying clinical mental health. Um, also going back to counseling and then COVID sparked the passion in me to become a counselor myself, um, mm -hmm. seeing the need to take up space and do the work, if you will, um, there. But Try Girl Summer, um, we see this growing into a uh bigger platform. Um, we want to continue to tell stories. We have some ideas that we're just trying to figure out how to package and pitch because the ideas are too big for us to try to do them on our own. Um, but, you know, again, we are ultimately fans of the people um, more than the athlete. And so a lot like what you guys are doing here, which is finding out um, what makes the athlete tick, what makes the athlete human, um, because we talk a lot about being superhumans, but we are actually humans. Um, but in the meantime, Corey and I have had to come to terms with, we got a lot going on. So mm -hmm. Corey's had to find new balance in learning, you know, and I'm not going to speak for you, Corey, but I do think that you. But um, I am going to speak for you. I am. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to therapize you. My friend says, you're therapizing me. But Corey does a great job of finding the light and minimizing um, her experience with type one diabetes. And although she's managing it well, it is an adjustment for you mm -hmm. um, along with the rest of your life. And I'm a single mom in school, working, training. Um, so we're, we're figuring out the balance. So we kind of, we're going to put out this much. And then now I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We got a whole lot of life going on on top yeah. of Track Girl Summer. So I think ultimately we want to make sure that we are proud of the product that we put out. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just figuring out what that pace is going to look like for us. It's changed a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but we're more concerned with putting out a good product. And mm. yeah. Corey. I love that. Yeah, Corey. 
Yeah, I agree with Natasha. Um, Don't honestly, agree. This can be dang. a therapy session. It's, it's the dang diet beaties. It's like, it, it, it makes me so tired some days where I'm like, I have things to do for track girl summer and like my life in general. And I'm like, you know, and my body's like, how about you sleep for five hours a day? And I'm like, but, but we just woke up. Um, they're yeah, literally think- no 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 jo- see she's making a joke but there have literally been days that like I'm texting her and I will get no response and you guys can hear Corey's a ball of energy like mm-hmm. she is on 10 from sun up to sundown and then she'll text me and be like so I've been asleep for the last five or six hours oh okay yeah take but care I of yourself Corey here's the thing that I'm not gonna stop in the show though um <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that we want to keep telling athlete stories. And I also um, think we have a, a lot more, like like Natasha said, um, we have some ideas to bring some different content than, than we've been pushing out. And like in my, in my like dreams, like we'll be doing like some live shows like at meets um, and, and like, I want to just like have our couch at Worlds. I don't know how that's going to happen, but like just it'll happen. Um, I'm manifesting. And yeah. And then right now, I don't know what's going on with me on the track right now, because I've just got to like get healthy and find balance. I'm trying to figure out like how to work out for an extended period of time without my sugar dropping (laughs) too low, um, which is like a balance. Um, So right now I'm just kind of taking it day by day and slowly um, because as much as I like to push myself, like my body's like, girl, I will sit both of us down. And I'm just like, all right. So Natasha, you should be proud of me for actually listening for once to my body. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and other than that, like, you know, just figuring things out one day at a time. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I love that. Okay. So it sounds like uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If there are any professionals that are really good at packaging and pitching, email info at trackgirlsummer.com. Yes. I'll come with no games. <laughs> um, oh, you can see me. Yes, please. Yes, email. <laughs> any professionals that know that, go ahead and send that over. Um, and um, I think I got it right with that. Yeah, um, follow them. I have to like learn how to build a website. We've been doing yes. the social media. Magical. editing i'm like this yeah, is not how much i do very early on that's not my wheelhouse Corey. Yeah. i don't i tried to edit a video and i was like Corey, i don't know what i did <laughs> and i know she was <laughs> over there like cussing me out like why did you even touch it you so guys, you guys are crushing it you yeah. are crushing it that's why yeah. i was curious like how much is diy with yeah all of it the- all of it, it so much you guys know i told you on track girl summer we have similar aspirations my like Dream job is to host my own show. So I'm yes. loving this. I'm we like, all yes, want to be channeling. on ESPN. You are, you are we all, yeah, we're all like, yes, you know, we are we have bigger personalities than what you see of us going you know, straight face being yeah. super serious. So I love this. I want you guys to take it to the freaking mountaintop. Top, so to the like, top. <laughs> yeah. So everybody support them. Track Girl Summer all day. All day. Um, <laughs> And also, if you guys need for me to make a jingle or something like that, <laughs> I'm just trying to latch on. 
<laughs> you know, they're like, we didn't invite Alicia. I'm just like on their back. We definitely invited you. Show the show. Yeah, they got their rolling bag, and I'm just hanging on to it. <laughs> Gonna be a part of the show. <laughs> no, Lizzie, um, I have to. I have to take this time to be like, because Elisa not only came on our show, she was like, also here are a bunch of resources. If you need anything, here's my email. I'm like, I help you with all these things. Like, you are very much like for women empowerment, and like not just you don't just say it, you put it into practice. So I really appreciate that. I love you guys so much. There is room for all of us. Like all of our big dreams and our big goals. Yeah. I really just believe that, and I. I just think like, I don't want to be a part of this like problem of people thinking that you have to squish people out of. There's not like, enough space for us all. We're yeah, exactly. Here. Well, I so, saw, I saw space. Molly, we need you to come on track girl summer. And then we need you both to come back to track girl summer. Okay. Any day. I need to get yes. a good look ready. Cause you guys always look so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say okay, some days I'm ahead, lazy. Sorry. I'm the lazy single mom. Like I ain't got time for all this stuff. <laughs> so fun. So comfortable on track girl summer. I'm telling you like, the best show hands down that I've been on. Um, just literally like, you know, felt like oh, I'd taken my bra you. off, you know, it was, I, mean, I think, we did I, might, I think show, we did but... do that. <laughs> Let my fro out. It was beautiful. It was such a great experience. We hung out for so long. Uh, I got away from bedtime because I just was like, oops. Were you, you know, in, it was were you so in person, fun. Alicia? Yeah. Were you in person? I, I felt like I was in person. Oh, I felt yeah. like best friends for life. You know, they were like, we're going now. Like, no, <laughs> I love it. So you guys, if you want to see that dynamic, every single person that they interview on Track Girl Summer, it's just, you feel like you're hanging out in their living room. So yes. um, you get the stories, you get the yes. inside stories, the personality, yeah. the banter is all there. It's all fun. So tune in. Oh, thanks guys. Um, before we close out, what? I said it most importantly, you get my dog. Um, you get COVID. <laughs> yes. And they, you know, they vibe with it. had a flower in their hair. It was wonderful. Um, before we go, I think we covered quite a bit, but I want to make sure we don't leave anything out. Um, you know, the reason why we have the show is to better help tell stories of women athletes. So anything that we left out, anything individually that you guys are doing that we need to go ahead and we tap in, we can, uh, you know, shop 400 meter diva collection, yes. athlete training journal, shop like that. tell us all the things, shop. Yes, all the links. Tell I'm us. doing it, but shop the track girl summer.com we've got hats and t-shirts if you um i have to step to pause because i want to remind natasha that this is a podcast um i know that's why i was like i'm doing it but i don't care i know i know she showed us us the merchandise i I appreciate it (laughs) i just wanted the the listeners to like hear what's going on that's right okay the visual was natasha places track girl summer cap (laughs) Pink mesh, black front trucker hat on head. Beautiful, <laughs> wonderful piece. You need it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm doing the things to sell the product, okay? That's right. And you guys, you know, purchasing their products helps support them being able to bring this stuff to you guys. So that's that's why yes. you need to go get it. Yes, please. You got that search you. bar. <laughs> and, oh, I forgot to mention Corey. Um, when I was doing a little bit of Googling, you wrote a book. I don't know how long ago that was. Did you write a training journal? Is it a different I wrote, card? I made a training, I made a training journal, um, but it's not like I wrote a book. It's but it's like for, it's something you can buy and buy it on <laughs> inspirational, Amazon, right? Um, yes, you can buy it on, on Amazon, uh, Christian Athlete Training Journal. It was actually, um, the. Uh, I, I guess that's a theme of me. I just, I don't make Olympic teams 
And then I throw myself into a creative project to distract me. We identify. We identify. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's healthy. You got to keep that going, right? the 2016 project. And that we need to push some more because it is a wonderful product. And I think a lot of athletes or not even just athletes, Christians, yeah. anyone who works out, it's a wonderful tool. We so. will link Christian Athlete Training Journal on Amazon by Corey Carter. Thanks, guys. And we will link 400 Meter Diva Lip Collection. And um, eyelashes. And eyelashes. I know, like, my son's eyelashes. I was like, the boys get about, everything the girls want. Well, I'm like, oh my goodness, Aster. He, he, <laughs> he uses that. He knows what he's doing. Um, I love it. So awesome. Um, I, we appreciate having you guys so much on this show, Keeping Track. Um, we love keeping track with you guys. Again, Track Girl Summer at Track Girl Summer on Instagram, Track Girl Summer on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And if you, again, have any Twitter. real, professional mm-hmm. pitch ideas Please. everybody in the business world that has like hey you know uh info at chargirlsummer.com i'm doing it they didn't tell me to do that i'm just like just <laughs> <laughs> we love it well thank you so much for having i mean wait hold on for having me on track Girl summer but for <laughs> you guys coming on keeping track thank you well, thanks ladies. for having us and can't wait for molly to come on over to track Girl summer mm-hmm. so make it time i would love to all right. Well, that's Thanks, all. Ladies. Thank you, everyone. Keep track. Keep track. Keep track. Keep track. One time. Major shout outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Don't say anything you guys don't want to be held up in court. <laughs> what? Well, first All things right. first, let me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. <laughs> don't come here. I wish you were on camera. But you yeah, can one- see me rolling my eyes. <laughs> um, don't talk about my dog. Don't talk about my mama. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. 
Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 